0: The title of this episode is The Greater Health Journey. There are so many cool things in this interview episode. You are lucky you clicked on this and are listening to it because it's so good. And... We are going to be talking with a master who has so much to share. Um, He talks about his life journey. It's an incredible one. How to really show up to your life, like really show up to your life. He talks about Natural health and what he's learned about our bodies and healing. And he's a master at that as well. There are just so many aspects to this. I almost didn't even know what to name this podcast because there's so much in it, and it's so good. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. And we are getting very close to beginning the soul frequency experience. This is a once a year this year uh, opportunity to come into Sacred Circle and step into your soul mission transform the parts of your life that are not working and be courageous and be surrounded by love unconditional love and cool people and create relationships that will take you into your future um truly this is the thing where people always have one reason why they why they decide to come into sacred circle and register And then they go away with like 15 other things that they could have never imagined that they would get from this experience. So we are getting very close. I'm so excited to meet each and every one of you and to dive into this incredible, incredible experience. If you want to know more, you can check the show notes um, for the link to find out and read more about what the Soul Frequency Experience is and... I'm excited. I cannot wait. And I am also excited about what you're about to hear on this podcast. Um, today on the show, we have Udo Eremis, um, who is with us. He is the legendary co-founder of Udo's Choice Line, which can be found in Whole Foods and other Whole Food uh, markets worldwide. And maybe if you have a Whole Foods next to you, you have seen this in the refrigerated aisle of supplements, his oil line. It's like always in the refrigerated section. It says Udo's Choice Oils, I think on the on the uh, packaging. And I found this years ago in my life and it's been an amazing brand and it's of the highest standard. And you'll hear in a little bit why that's so important to him. Um, Udo designed the machinery for making oils with health in mind and pioneered flax oil, a billion-dollar industry. However, Udo walked a difficult path to become the man he is today. Being a child of war, Udo's life began with intense struggle. As an adult, he got pesticide poisoning in 1980, leaving doctors at a loss for how to treat it. Deciding to take his health into his own hands, Udo began researching and his discoveries led him to a passion for finding the answers to life's biggest questions, which would hopefully one day bring him and the world peace. Today, Udo is an acclaimed speaker and author of many books, including the best selling Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, which has sold over 250,000 copies. He teaches at events hosted by Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra. He's keynoted at international brain health conferences, and he's traveled to over 30 countries to conduct thousands of live presentations, media interviews, and staff trainings, impacting more than 25 million lives with his message on oils, health, peace nature, and human nature. Udo has an extensive education in biochemistry, genetics, biology, and nutrition, including a master's degree in counseling psychology. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Udo Erasmus to the show. Udo, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here with you today.
1: I'm glad to be on. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> um, so you have had an incredible journey. I mean, I have dove into parts of it, but I really want to get into you sharing what this, this life experience has been for you. You've obviously created an incredible brand. I've purchased your products. I know many of my listeners will probably be like, oh my gosh, I have this in my cupboard, right? I know who created this and we'll enjoy li- Yeah.
1: In the fridge. <laughs>
0: In the fridge. Exactly. In the fridge. You're right. In the fridge. Um, But, but I, I think it's easy to look at like the end of the journey, you know, and like what got created over the years of like the inspiration and all the stuff that goes into it. And I want you to take us back to kind of like where it began for you. Like, what are the early early like formative years maybe even some decisions or wisdom that you thought about you know as a child kind of leading up into your teen years and things like that so we want to learn about your journey
1: yeah okay so i was born in 1942 so that means i'll be 80 this year and i was born in poland that was then part of germany during the second world war and at the end of the war we fled out of poland with the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks. And the allies, the good guys, were using us refugees as target practice, shooting at us from planes, air artillery. And it was all mothers and young children on those roads. They were dirt roads, no military presence. And they were all just trying to get the hell out of there. Because if you got caught by the communists, you ended up in the Gulag in Siberia in labor camps, and so that's why they headed in that way. So they were heading in the direction of Germany. Believe it or not, Germany to them, because they had experience in both the Germans and the Soviets, Germany was preferable to the Soviet Union for them at that time. And they had been in Latvia and Estonia where they came from. They had been through the First World War, then the Bolshevik Revolution, then the depression, and then the second war, Second World War, and those followed one another like with almost like with no break. And so, <clears throat> so I don't remember a lot because I was two and a half. But I just remember not feeling safe, not knowing what I could count on, which makes sense. You know, you want to make a safe place for children, so they have a certain amount of safety in which they can thrive. And not be adrenalized all the time, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so uh, I, I was. I grew up very, very shy. I loved books because books are safe. See, so you can write, you can read a book about a war, but that's different from bullets flying. So the book about a war is really safe in comparison to being through a war. And people like war stories, but they only like the war stories if. <laughs> If it's they're not, not living a it. story, they're
0: living, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: And so when I was six years old, I listened to adults argue it. It always made me uncomfortable when I heard the arguments. And I always thought they were arguing about trivial things. I don't remember what it was, but it was uncomfortable. And this thought occurred to me. It's like, man, there has to be a way that people can live in harmony. Mm-hmm. And this little cocky voice of a six-year-old, who doesn't know how complicated everything is, I'm going to find out how. And that's been my driver all my life. How can people live in harmony? We don't need that. What what would it take to not have war? Because we're actually, what it comes down to is we're actually wired for living in peace and living in unconditional love and in inspiration and in joy. We're actually wired for that. But the problem is we don't look inward to the wiring. We're always looking out there where everything changes all the time. And so we live without foundation because our foundation is peace and our foundation is unconditional love. <clears throat> but if, you do, if you're never spending any time with yourself, then you're not going to know that because you're, you're not experiencing it. But it's, you only not experience it because you're looking away from it instead of looking into it. So that's sort of, that's the beginning of that story. We left Europe when I was 10 and moved to Canada. And so I grew up in the woods in Canada, uh, part of my childhood and on farms. I went to university to study biology. And everything I studied was about trying to find out what I could count on. Because I didn't have anything that I could count on when I was a little kid. At, at least it felt like that. I mean, my mother dressed me in, they made the food, and I had a place to sleep in, but I never felt safe because I got left behind during that time. Uh, that was part of it. My mother had six kids with her. She had to leave four behind and go through the fields, and it was winter because it was safer to go on foot through the fields than to be on the horse drawn hay wagon on the road with the Allies shooting at. at at the, the people on those roads. And so she left four kids behind. I was one of the, the left behind ones. We eventually got um, we eventually got reunited. <clears throat> so all of that turned out okay. But the difference it made to me as a two and a half year old, you know, that doesn't sort of go away when you see your mom again. No. But so how is it even possible that that mothers have to leave their children behind? You know, imagine a mother having to make that kind of a decision. Yeah. So, and so I, I ended up when it came to studying, I studied science because I wanted to understand how things work. <clears throat> and then I got into biosciences to understand how creatures work. And then I got into psychology, how thinking works. Then I got into medicine because I wanted to know how health works, but I only learned about disease. And the Dean told me that they don't know what health is. And they're working on it, but they're not, they're studying disease. You don't learn about health by studying disease. You learn about health by studying health. So I went back into biochemistry and genetics in biology, where you're actually studying the normal functioning of normal creatures in normal circumstances. And so then that was my, my, my foundation for my understanding of human, you know, well, human beings and, and biology, how, how we work in general.
0: It's so interesting. And you, you have a real connection, I think, through your younger life. I was reading about all the different jobs you had and experiences you had, like, and they all kind of had this thread of like nature, right. And wilderness and things of that. Was that a time in your life? Was that in your young twenties or around school when you were kind of just trying different things?
1: Well, uh, yeah, when I quit, when I ended up, because I didn't find I was looking for at university, I left. And I, then I went and I, took all kinds of different jobs because I wanted to know what it feels like to be a person in that kind of a job. And it wasn't like I wasn't looking for a job I wanted to do. I just wanted to know what it felt like. And so I'd work three to to six months on a job. It's always a a big learning curve at the beginning. I love learning. And so I'd go there for three to six months and then it become, okay, I got it. And then I go somewhere else and try something else. So it was really a different kind of education. I just wanted to know. And I didn't find what I was looking for there either. And eventually I got into self-knowledge because I need, really needed to know how I work. Mm. And so then, and then I started settling down and I start, found my peace and I found that unconditional love within me. And it's in every human being. I'm mostly undiscovered because we live so much into the world and so little into ourselves. And so, <clears throat> so that's basically is is my yeah. my background.
0: Yeah. So and, when you when you were um you know, because a lot of times I think in society, at least now, um, people feel like they should have the right answer or pick the right career and be able to just like stick with it. And you know what I mean? I think sometimes, you know, especially for younger. Adults, right? Kids coming out of college or coming out of high school, like it can be seen by some, you know, society or parents or whatever, like you're not committing to something, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're going here, you're going there, you know? And it can be seen as something negative, right? Or why don't you know what you want to do with your life yet? Right? Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when I was 18. (laughs) But but there's like a pressure for that. So, so what was going on like in your world as you're trying these different stuff? Did you ever feel like You know, societal pressures to be any certain way or like about what you were doing.
1: Oh, sure. Of course, because if you're not doing the thing that everybody else is doing, you know, then then the people who are doing something different, they criticize you because they want you to be like them. But I couldn't. I I just couldn't because I I was driven by something deeper that most people in Canada were where I grew up. Had no experience of. And in that sense, I never fit into the social fabric. <clears throat> the social fabric is like, how do you take a little job on a production line, you know, and you make a little money and you become part of the some people call it the, the big machine, right? Mm-hmm. I somehow I could I never could do that. But I got criticized. People said, Why are you thinking about all this deep stuff? You it'll just drive you crazy. Somebody said, why don't you just get a job like your brother? You know, why are you thinking about all this stuff? And you know what? I guess I just wasn't put here for that stuff. But I tried it out, and I, I you know, so I had a pretty good sense of, of that. And then where, really where I got focused was I got married. We had three kids. My marriage grew up, grew, uh, blew up. <laughs> my marriage ended. I was really upset, and I had had a gardening job. And I decided to take a job as a pesticide sprayer. Because I was upset enough to want to kill something. And that's what you do with pesticides. And so I sprayed pesticides very carelessly on a job that I had. And after three years of carelessness, I got poisoned by the pesticides. because I walked barefoot through lawns, I'd sprayed, you know, I, I mean, I was really, you know, I, I sprayed without a shirt, without wearing a shirt. And the wind would drift spray on my back. And I would notice it. And people would say to me, aren't you worried you're going to get poisoned? And, and my answer was, nah, I'm immune. <laughs> and then I got poisoned. You know, I, Some people call that testosterone poisoning. It happens, <laughs> happens to young men until they have their first big disaster. So it was a big disaster. And now I went to the doctor and asked her, so what do you have for pesticide poisoning? And she said, nothing. It's like, wait a minute. We can spray all that stuff and it can poison us and you have nothing for the pesticide poisoning. Nope, not for most of them. But her answer was beautiful because it made it so clear that my health is my responsibility. Now I was never really, really a junk food eater, but it really put in place for me how much my health is my responsibility and that I need to take charge of it, and that I need to understand how health works. And it's worth the investment, because if I don't care about my health, then maybe nobody does. And so and then I got into, <clears throat> into uh, the research, because I had the science background by that time, and started figuring out minerals, vitamins, essential nutrients, uh, amino acids, fatty acids, and the whole thing about... The idea is, look, your body's made out of food, air and water, right? That's it. Nothing else. No pharmaceutical drugs. You will never suffer from a pharmaceutical drug deficiency. No. Right? Nope. Because in nature, there wasn't anything like that. And your body was literally made out of the environment you live in, which has air in it, water in it, and creatures in it. And so I thought, well... If I, if I'm poisoned, I got to stop spraying, obviously, because, <clears throat> you know, that's, you know, it's like turn off the tap before you drain the swamp, right? Or drain yeah, the yeah. Or drain the basement when you're a, a sorcerer's apprentice and careless. And uh, so, so, and in, in looking at all of the research done in all of that health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, I got stuck on oils because that was the most complicated, most difficult, most contradictory area. And one of the things that drove me crazy when I was studying that, they said omega six is an essential fatty acid. And that means you can't make it. You got to have it. Therefore it has to come from outside. If you don't get enough, you can't stay healthy and your health will go down. If you don't get enough long enough, you die. But if you're going down because you're not getting enough and you bring enough back into the diet before you die, then all of the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed because life knows how to make a body that works provided we take responsibility to bring in the building blocks life needs to do that work. That's the only thing we're responsible for. Once we swallow, everything else is, is on automatic. Life takes care of it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into oils. And then I found out how they're the most sensitive nutrients. <clears throat> they need the most care. We give them the least care. They're damaged by light, by oxygen, by heat. When you fry in oils, those oils will fry your health. When mm-hmm. you fry foods, those, those foods will fry your health. Because you're changing molecules from natural and good for you So unnatural and toxic. And so I said, oh, we should be making oils with health in mind, not with shelf life in mind, and found out that the industry, when it makes oils, half to one percent of the molecules are damaged when you make the oil. That doesn't sound like a lot. And that's what the guys at the American Oil Chemist Society told me. Well, what do you? What are you complaining about? It's only 1% damaged, 99% good. And if you got 99% on an exam, you'd be damn happy, wouldn't you? So I used to get 100% on the exams in the courses that I was really interested in. <laughs> so I wasn't as impressed with his 99. But then I thought, well, maybe I'm overreacting. So I did the math. When in doubt, do the math, right? When you have, and so my question was, if I have a tablespoon of oil, that is 1% damaged by the processing. How many damaged molecules will that one tablespoon of 1% damaged oil contain? Maybe that's a You can do math on that question, right? Yep. <clears throat> by molecular weights, and there's, there's a way to do that that comes out of science. So what do you think? How many damaged molecules are in a tablespoon of oil that is 1% damaged by the processing before you fry it? What do you think?
0: way more than you want it to be
1: how many give me a number
0: mm. please I <laughs> think i know it's a hundred five hundred something like that
1: okay let's say 500
0: 500
1: yeah let's say 500. okay would you like to know how many there are how many 60 quintillion wow That's like more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. Now, what you've just told me, so 60 quadrillion, your estimate, your highest estimate of the damage done to oils is 60 quadrillion times too low. So that tells me you have no idea how much bad stuff you're getting from those oils. And that's why I asked the question. I was in Ireland, I asked the question, and we went through the math, just like I'm doing now, right? 60 quintillion, by the way, is a uh, six followed by uh, 16 zeros. Six followed by 16 zeros. A thousand, a million, a billion, a trillion, quadrillion, and 60 times. So you got 15 plus one, zeros. That's how how much you underestimated the damage done to the oils that you probably like everybody else uses on a, on a consistent basis. Right? So I was in Ireland and I said, well, and the same thing, nobody ever says more than a billion. They're Mm -hmm. still more than a billion times too low. So I said, so if you went to an airport and you're going home and somebody who always tells the truth, tells you that if you, if you get on the plane, your chance of crashing and dying is a billion times, in your case, 60 quintillion times, higher than you thought it was, would you get on the airplane? No. No. And I told him in, in, in Ireland, I would canoe back to Canada <laughs> because my chances would not be good, but they'd be better than, than that. And that—and the question then is, is this enough to understand how much you've underestimated the damage you you're bringing into your body to change your habits to eat the seeds and nuts that contain them mm-hmm. unroasted unsalted <clears throat> or to change to oils made with health in mind
0: 100 percent, and yeah. you know this is not even i mean this is The example that you're using Mm -hmm. is not even some of the worst oils that are out there in the world. these days. I mean, we've made, you know, some (laughs) oils that are just toxic, 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 right? We talk about like fast food and things of that that are just through (laughs) and through. There's like, yeah, well, I've
1: told you, I've told you what the industry does. So when the oil goes in the bottle and it sits on the shelf before you buy it, it's already 1% damaged. But then you take not one tablespoon, you take two to four most of the time, most people as adults, and then if you fry it, you got to multiply that number by another three to six, maybe even higher, right? Yep. And frying is the dumbest thing we've ever invented to do to food from the perspective of health. So I tell people, look, get your frying pan. I know you got one. Get it out. Turn it upside down. Hit yourself on the head with it really hard. It's associated (laughs) with pain. Throw it out. Throw it up because that is going to give you a ton of pain, and a ton of health problems. And it's the worst thing of all of the things that we do that messes up our health. Frying is number one. Sugar is number two. White sugar.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so... With all the oils that they use, you know, canola oil and cooking oil and vegetable oil and all of these oils that are used, you know, in every restaurant, like, you know, even the nicest restaurants to fast food, to everything mm-hmm. in between, like yep. in your research and in your study of this, obviously as an expert in this field, like is that kind of the number one thing that we are impacted by that people are really like I always I always say this to people because I sat, you know, restaurants where they have the, the cooking and there's behind glass, but you can see the chefs making the food the very fancy restaurant. I sat in one of those restaurants. One time, And we were sitting close enough to where I could, you know, I was right in front of where they were cooking. And I was watching them and there was this big vat of butter next to the, you know, next to the grill, and then a big like vat of oil. And, and I was watching the chef making many, many meals one right after the other, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like, and I would watch him like Take the butter, you know, take like a knife full of butter and take like a ladle full of oil and throw it on the grill. And I just kept watching. And each time, sometimes it was double the amount of butter, right? At one point, sometimes it was a little butter. I mean, he was just making so many meals. There yeah. was no standardization mm-hmm. to how like he was using these oils and butters. But I just kept sitting there going, that is so much butter and so much oil, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Going into the food onto the grill. And it just, it was, it really hit me in that moment, like I'm sitting here and I'm seeing this, but most of the time we go to a restaurant to enjoy a meal yeah, or a dinner, you're not seeing that part, right? Yeah, yeah. You're just seeing mm-hmm. the pretty food come out and you're not yeah. realizing that. And then I started to extrapolate as I was sitting there, this is one meal, right? This is one time mm-hmm. I'm seeing this. Like think how many restaurants I've been in and oh my goodness, like the fast food I ate when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and just what goes on in the back of that kitchen, you know, and how much stuff goes into that. And that really impacted me that that night I left that restaurant mm-hmm. thinking and I started eating at home more because I was like, I can control then right of what goes in my yep. food and I'll have yep. someone taking a half a stick of butter, you know what I mean? And popping it down on a grill or a bunch of oil that I don't even know what that oil is.
1: Yeah. And 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 just to tell you one more piece of that, when they deep fry stuff, <clears> they, so it's in a vat and the oil is boiling. So it's a. It's being damaged by light, by oxygen, by heat all at the same time. <clears throat> and the only way that oil doesn't turn into tar is because they put food in it and take the dirty oil out on the food. Ugh. Right? That's because they keep, they keep adding oil. They never clean it up. <gasps> so you get, you get the oil on the foods that you buy. And you don't know that oil might have been in there for two hours, three hours, being boiling at frying temperature. And the longer you fry it, the more damage you get. And fries are
0: ruined forever for everybody now. (laughs) That is
1: disgusting. You know, I hope so. I hope so. Because if people get how bad that is for their health and they make the change, they will have better health. And like I said, oils damaged by the way we process them and the way we use them is the number one, you know, more health problems come from damaged oil than any other part of nutrition. And more health benefits come from the oil change that your body needs from oils made with shelf life in mind to oils made with health in mind.
0: So how so how did this play into like you got you were sick and you went to that doctor and the doc you basically walked out of there going, okay, well, if I'm gonna get better, it's gonna be up to me. And you discover, you know, the power of oils like What was the first, before you became the oil person on the planet, um, what were the steps? Did you start saying, okay, I'm going to start using some of these oils or understand these better, start taking them? Like, what was your healing journey?
1: Well, yeah. Okay. So, so the getting poisoned by pesticides was my come to Jesus moment, (laughs) (laughs) right? Right. Right. And then it was like, well, I can't get healthy on oils that are damaged like this. We should make them with health in mind. It was just like an idea. It's like that six-year-old kid who says, I'm going to find out how people can live in harmony. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. right? I, I can't get healthy in oils like that. We should make them with health in mind. And then a second thing happened that was totally fortuitous, totally out of my control. The year after I got poisoned, it was established by research that omega-3, is an essential nutrient not just omega 6 omega 6 was known to be essential in 1929 for omega 3 that was established in 1981 i got poisoned in 1980 the timing could not have been better <laughs> and so then the and then they they knew 99% of the population does not get enough omega 3 for optimal health it's an essential nutrient, which means your body can't make it, but you have to have it, so you've got to bring it in from outside. It is five times more sensitive to damage than omega-6s. So it's a nightmare to work with, and people don't want to work with it because it's like a perishable food, like lettuce, right? You've got to take care of it. So nobody wants to do that because then you, you know, you've got to refrigerate it and you've got to take care of it. And maybe you have to ship it refrigerated if you're going any long distance, like to Europe or to uh, Asia or to Africa for that matter, right? And and so people didn't want to do that. And there's only a few sources because it's a northern or southern oil. So it's closer to the poles where you get a lot of omega-3s. But the idea that 99% of the population doesn't get enough for optimum health triggered a mind blower for me oh and it was like oh my god if we could make omega-3s with health in mind and could bring them back into the population 99% of the population's health would improve so fundamentally we could help just about everybody and it was like You know, talk about I did all these jobs and, you know, I wanted to know what it felt like to be that, but I didn't know what I had, what kind of a purpose I had. Oh, my God, we could help so many people. And I lit up like a firecracker. I've got a purpose. This is worth doing. Oh, my God, I get to do this. Wow. And then out of that enthusiasm, because I had no business background, I had Good science background and research and stuff. And I was interested in lots of things, but, but no, no, uh, business background, zero, not a single course, but the enthusiasm drove the entire project and people wanted to hear what we had to say because the energy was amazing. We were so on fire. We were in a, in a van without air conditioning. It wasn't four people. It was only two people. We did a a tour in 1988, that's how long it took me from getting poisoned to putting it together, uh, developing a method for making oils with health in mind. And then we did this tour, uh, 17,000 miles by road, 35 states, 85 cities, 101 days in the hottest months of the year, July, August, half of June and half of September. Talk to anybody who would listen to us, sometimes we had two people, sometimes we had 1,500 people, and we were just on fire. Oh my God, And flax oil was the thing, because flax oil is the richest source of omega3s. And so flax oil, in two years, became the second highest selling oil in the natural food trade, which is where we were active, and it was all done by enthusiasm. And we made we set standards, and we wouldn't do business with people who didn't refrigerate the oil in their store, in their store, in their storage facility. And, and so, yeah, we, we, I mean, as honestly, it was like, it's the enthusiasm and the clarity of the outcome that was the determiner of all the decisions we had to make, and we didn't say, oh my God, somebody wants to work with us. No, 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 no. We had standards. We said, do you have refrigeration in your storage? If they said yes, I would pass it to the guy, the other guy in the van, who would see (laughs) if they if they could work out prices and stuff. If they said no, my question would be, are you willing to get it? If they said yes, I'd say call us when you have it. When you've done it, right? When you when you set the standard because that's our standard, and we're not we're not budging. And if they said no, I said this is a good time to end the interview. We would not do business with people who would not take care of our precious oil because we knew that in order to unfold its health benefits, it needed that kind of care. Yeah, So
0: you stood by the name that you were creating. Okay, I want to just reflect back on several yeah. things that I think are so valuable that you shared. <laughs> Number one, from the time you got poisoned to the time you were in that van, about eight-year period of time, right? And, and while you're developing, taking time to develop this. And like so many people, we have a concept, you know, for everybody listening, you have a concept, you have an idea and it feels like if it doesn't happen in a month or six months, Forget it, it's taking too long, right? Like when you look at really a great journey, it takes time, right? You're fostering that you're, yeah. and, you're, and you're taking the time to make sure it's right, to make sure it's good. And then yeah. then you have the enthusiasm, right? And so a lot of times people tell themselves like, oh, I don't have business experience or I don't know how to do this or I don't know all the right methods. You just got yeah. excited about it, right? You were super excited I, about it.
1: Yeah. And the, Not in and the, the van. En- and the enthusiasm came at the beginning of it. It was that that drove, that made it say that, yeah, this is a good thing to do. And occasionally I would have doubts.
0: Yeah, of and then course. And
1: I'd say, oh, hell, why am I doing that? All my friends <laughs> were partying and drinking beer and dancing, and I'm sitting at home. I moved in with my mother. I was uh, at, at that point, 1983, so I was 41 years old. Moved in with my mother. I told her what I wanted to do. She says, okay, you can have free room and board here. And it took me five and a half years to write the book. <clears throat> and I had to go and do the research. And I was in the library. At This was before Google and all that, right? Yes. In 1981. So I was at the university library and going through the stacks, what they call the stacks, where all the all the journals are, are on shelves, right? Digging out the information, finding out how this, you know, uh, finding out how, how oils work. Because oils were not that interesting to me when I was in, in science. Because nobody none of my professors were interested in them because they were talking about DNA, RNA, protein. That was the thing everybody's focused on because they'd broken the, you know, this was in the 60s, early sixties, right? They had broken the code, the genetic code, Watson and Crick, Um. 1953, got the Nobel prize for it. Now it says, Oh my God, we can figure out how everything works because a gene makes an mRNA and the mRNA goes in the cell and makes a protein. And now we can, We know what what the letters are, that code for which amino acids in the protein. It was elegant and mathematically usable. Oh, and the scientists loved it. And everybody was interested in oils, protein, uh, sorry, um, DNA, RNA, and proteins. We call that the holy trinity at the university, DNA, RNA, and protein. Right. And we thought, oh, we can sequence the genome and oh, we can cure every disease. Of course, it turned out to be quite a bit more complex than that. And we haven't really moved ahead on curing the diseases because a lot of what causes disease is not the genes, Mm
0: -hmm. but what
1: but the epigenetics, what we give them to work with. Yeah, because genes, genes uh, regulate, you know, they it's kind of like they keep me me in a constantly changing environment. So they have to adjust all the time. So they're very responsive to environmental input, right? So, but we weren't interested in fats because ah, yeah, well, there's the math. But it turns out fats it play a bigger role in disease than any other part of nutrition.
0: It's fascinating. And what, like, when you say you know, it'll break down your health, like. What is the actual mechanism? Like if somebody is deficient in omega-3s yeah. or deficient in you know, healthy oils or, or has never even had healthy oils yeah. in their life, what's yeah. breaking down that's causing well, the symptomatic disease?
1: Yeah. Let, me, let me answer a question that's a little bit bigger than the one you asked, okay? okay. <clears throat> if you're sick, the awareness that is the foundation of your existence is not affected. Can't get sick, never dies, doesn't get old. It's like out of the realm of the formed, which can break down. Okay. If you have no form, you can't break it down. form breaks down. Okay. So awareness is not affected. Life energy, which is solar energy, which runs the show. You can derive that from science, scientific studies, that what we call life when it's inside of us is solar energy when it's outside of us. Okay. Unconditional love for the body. That's where the unconditioned love is, it's embedded in life energy. That energy never gets sick, never dies, completely beyond that. Then there's inspiration, which is the shine of life into the world. That doesn't get sick and die either. Then there's electrons and atoms. They never get sick either. Even if you're sick and you're like terminal, none of those are ever sick. They can't get sick. And then molecules, they don't get sick either. So disease begins to happen at the level of interaction between molecules. And if you put the right molecules in place, then your your interactions between molecules are going to be natural. And natural is healthy. Because we were made to live in line with the natural system, out of which we come and within which we live. Okay? Okay. Does that make sense?
0: That is mind-blowing, and yes, now, it makes a lot of sense. Now,
1: when then when you put the wrong molecules in that system, <clears throat> then you're going to derail or block or mislead biochemical interactions, and that's where disease begins. Now, that's on a molecular level. When you have enough of that damage going on, eventually the doctor will give it a a diagnosis on the basis of symptoms. Either it's cardio or it's cancer or it's diabetes or whatever it is. But in everyone who has a terminal diagnosis like that, neither the awareness nor the life energy nor the inspiration nor the electrons nor the atoms nor the molecules are ever sick. So this is a, a... You know, and how do you derail the interactions between molecules by not getting enough of the essential building blocks or by too much of what doesn't belong in there? That's called toxicity or poor digestion, which gets you toxicity and inadequate uh, supply of building blocks. That's and there's the answer to all the questions about illnesses, except you can, you know, when you depending on your emotional states, you can make chemicals that are usually um, stress molecules. And the stress molecules, if your stress is chronic, they will eventually break down your body. So you can do it with ideas as well. So,
0: That's
1: who you hang out with, what your emotional state is, what you think, and what you surround yourself with will affect your health also okay? but it always comes back to interactions between molecules even if it's from mental eventually it shows up physically because if you're changing the interactions between molecules you're changing the biochemistry of the body
0: oh that's so fascinating thank you for explaining that that's really really it's really distilled down very easy to understand and very powerful mm-hmm. and i'm wondering like So, you know, in this world too, we have a lot of, like, obviously people talk about oils a lot more today than probably back then. Um, And you have all kinds of information, right? Coming from all kinds of different places about what are the best oils and what are the best uh, supplements and what are the best (laughs) this and that. So can you give us like a rundown on what is like, what is the top source of omega-3 and what is omega-3 that maybe isn't as clean or isn't as pure or things like that?
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure I'll go through the whole list, but let me, again, let me me give you the foundation for it. All oils and fats in nature come from foods that begin as whole foods. They're made because they're essential to us, essential nutrients to us, omega-3 and omega-6, but they're not essential nutrients to plants because plants can make them from scratch out of carbon dioxide and, and, uh, and uh, water, you know? So, so they're made by plants at the bottom of the food chain. They're made by plants. And the best way to get them is fresh foods, right? Because nature's mandate for health, for creatures, is fresh, whole, raw, organic, Maybe in season, at least part of the time. Sun ripened, although you can also eat them green. And local. Right? Because we didn't always have trucks. Yeah. We're, were bringing, them, bringing oranges from, from uh, Florida to Vancouver. Right? So fresh, whole, raw, organic. And any, every whole food has some fats in it from very little, like, like grass has only 0.1% fat in it. So this is not a big source of fats, <clears throat> whereas seeds and nuts are sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50, some of them are 60% fat. Those are your best sources, not roasted, not salted. Fresh, fresh seeds and nuts, okay? And then the other foods like uh, grains, whole grains, maybe 4% fat, soybeans have 18% fat. That's why they're used so much in, in, in oil making. That's not, very high for a, a, for a bean to mm-hmm. have 18% fat in them. Most of them are like 4% or something like that. And uh, so, so fundamentally, so instead of flax oil, it might be better to eat flax seeds. Unless you get, unless you need more than the seeds can supply. And that's what I say to people, eat the foods, eat the whole foods. And then if you need more and we do measure it by how dry your skin is, if your skin is dry, you need more oil because the oils form a barrier in the skin against the loss of moisture, make your skin really nice and, and, and velvety. And they're better than the gunk you put on out on the, on top. And in winter, your skin is drier than in summer. And in dry places, your your skin will be drier than in humid places. So in winter, you need more oil to get your skin nice. Usually somewhere between two and four tablespoons. I use about four tablespoons in winter. I weigh uh, 180 pounds. And in summer, two or three tablespoons to get the same effect on the skin. Because in winter, I will burn more fat for for energy, for warmth, for heat. In summer, not so much. So, um, where were we going with this?
0: Yeah, I was just so the different types of oil. Like you know, you have fish oils, you have flax oil, you have oils from nuts. Like what's what's your take on this?
1: Okay, so uh, if you if you make machinery for making oils with health in mind, which is kind of my claim to fame. Yes. Obviously what you're going to do is going to be different than if you're making oils that you, you just want them to have a long shelf life. So in other words, the, the goal defines the journey, right? Yep. Or they can be made with shelf life in mind, or is your interest. Yeah, you're obviously going to get oils made with health in mind. Absolutely. They should be in glass because plastic swell, swells when you put oil in it and plastic leaches into oils more than into water. So they need to be in, in glass, right? Now, all, most of our oils are in plastic. So you can already dump all of them. <laughs> and there's research that shows that, that when you cover food with saran wrap or some other kind of plastic film, the plastic film will leach into the oil in direct, to proportion, in direct proportion to the amount of fat or oil in the food.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, most people don't know that.
0: No, I didn't so it's that. better
1: to have a, a it, it's better to have a bowl <clears throat> that isn't made out of plastic and a lid that isn't made out of plastic or that if it's made out of plastic doesn't touch the food because if it doesn't touch the food you get no leak no leakage and there are i use glass glass jars that have uh, plastic lids because the plastic lids are convenient and they don't break and all of that stuff but I don't let the the food touch the plastic, right? So you can get oils made with health in mind in glass. And we put a box around the, the, the oils we work with, put a box around to protect them from light there. And you find them in the natural food stores, basically in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge, in the supplement section, in the natural food stores. That's basically where you find, but you can also get them on Amazon and, and other places, and you can even get them from from my website. We we can send them out. So we <clears throat> we do all of that. Um, and then yeah, and then pretty much if it's in a plastic bottle and it's not refrigerated and it's on the shelf, you're pretty much working with oils that have been treated with Drano, then with window washing acid, then bleached, which makes them rancid, and then heated to frying temperature to deodorize or destinkerize or get Get the bad smell out of the oil, pretty much except for extra virgin olive oil, which the good ones are also put in glass, and they cheat on that because uh, olive oil has, be, has popularity has grown faster than olive trees grow. So now they had a sh- now they had a gap, so they filled the gap by dumping some of the, the bad oils in the olive oil. No, not everybody does it. But when you, you, when you buy a bottle of olive oil, you don't know who did and who didn't. Mm. So I test that. You put it in your fridge. And if it doesn't develop white flecks in the oil where the oil crystallizes or go solid in the fridge, don't buy the oil. And you might have to buy one to find that out. Yes. But that's the way I, I test olive oil because it's a simple way of doing it cuz olive oil goes hard in the fridge or at least has 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 some crystals oil crystals in it because it freezes at a at a uh it freezes at a higher temperature than the liquid oils which don't freeze in the fridge
0: right Interesting. That's good to have a test for that. And what about should be, I mean, if someone was going to take like your oils is amazing, your line is incredible. Like I know there's different options, but like you have like a 369, you know, a mega three, like is it better to be taking like a combination of the different type of oils together? Like how much
1: no, uh three six nine, they're all three six nine. Yep. Because three and six are essential, Mm -hmm. but in the trade, everybody calls them three six nine oils even though not nine is not essential. Ah. <clears throat> okay, so they're called 369. Oh, that's a marketing thing, right? So 369 oils, we have one that's just the, the seed oils. It's a mixture of nine different seed oils. <clears throat> then we have one that has DHA from algae in it. That's for people when they're nursing or if they're over 50, because there's some research that says DHA, which is an important brain omega-3, not an essential fatty acid, but it's an essential fatty acid derid- derivative, they've shown that if you add DHA to your intake of oils, you, your brain works well for longer mm. than if you don't. And for women, because the, you know, basically their DHA in their brain goes to their breast and then goes into the kid's brain. You know, And so women get depleted of DHA uh, remarkably easily if they don't have a source <clears throat> of good omega-3s in their diet. Now, you can have omega-3s from algae, from fish. Fish oils are very dirty these days. Fish is now the dirtiest meat on the planet because all the junk we throw on land goes downhill, ends up in the ocean, and then works its way up the food chain in the creatures, the higher up the food chain, the dirtier they are, the more oil in the body of that creature, the more toxicity you're gonna to get in it. So I don't recommend fish oils because, and especially women, they can take the omega-3s from plants, flax being the richest source, they can actually convert that into EPA and DHA and all of the other derivatives. Mericins and protectants and, and resolvents and, There's all kinds of things that the body can make out of essential fatty acids, provided you make sure you optimize your intake of the basic essential fatty acid in your diet. You do not need to have fish oils in most cases. Very rare that somebody actually really needs fish oil. But that's not what you hear in the marketplace. Yeah. Because in the marketplace, everybody wants to promote whatever they are promoting, right? It's true. And unfortunately, human beings are very good storytellers. And very good liars. And when you listen to them, you know you don't know if I'm lying right now. You don't. You just don't yeah, know. Yeah,
0: but I think you got a track record to, you well, know, that people I, can count on.
1: Okay, but well, I I have a sort of a track record. But if you've never seen me on that track record, right? And that's the first time you're listening to me. Well, how do you know? I mean, there are some really good storytellers, <clears throat> even when they what they say isn't true.
0: Well, yeah, and that's why I think it's confusing to people because of there are, there's good marketers, there's good storytellers, right? And sometimes yeah. you have a great storyteller and a great marketer and not a great product. And other times you have a yeah. great product, but not a good marketing, not a yep. good storytelling. It doesn't yep. get anywhere, right? And,
1: and I'm apparently one of those people who's not a really good marketer because that's why there's not a bottle of that oil blend in every fridge because that's where it, it actually is that big a market. And it's it is actually that, that good for health. That there should be a bottle of that oil in every fridge well and that I mean, was always my thing i'm 80 now i don't think i'm gonna get there you know but it's still true and well i think you're a pretty be-
0: good marketer i've i've known of your oils for a long time like in during the beginning of my health journey and changing the way i ate and all that kind of stuff like uh-huh. That that was right what I went to. And, you know, I mean, for me, like, because I feel energy and I feel vibrations and yeah. and you can just feel with certain products, too. Like, there's an energy to it. Like, and I'm not surprised that you had this energy of excitement, and enthusiasm and got in a yeah. truck and had that success because yeah. you can tell when something is made and, is, and there's care behind it, right? There's yeah. so many things that are well, made today where there's no care.
1: Yeah, sometimes you can't. Sometimes yeah. you can, but not, and not everybody can do that and not, right. Ev- you know, it's, so it's tough. Yeah. It's, it, it really is tough.
0: It is. But you know what? I mean, it's people like yourself. I just think it's so inspiring because like you mentioned, you know, moving back in with your mom and you weren't, you know, yeah. 19 and no. you had a dream and you had a passion and you took yeah. the courage to do that and you took the time to do it. And then you had a standard, right? right? right and
1: yeah, you, but, but- but, but wait, uh, I didn't have the courage to do that. I was obsessed. <laughs> I, got <lit> <laughs> I, get it. I got lit up. It's like, this has got to be done. Right, right. And, okay. and, so and you need a little, little bit of like, obsession. Uh, and, and Yeah, and the obsession is really what created what you call the courage. Yeah. You know, the enthusiasm is what created everything.
0: Yep. And, you know,
1: people sometimes say, oh, you know, only what gets measured grows and what grows, you know, is... No, you know what? If you look at a Mozart... You know, he was obsessed with music. Yeah. He died a pauper, pretty much, right? Yeah. But he was obsessed with music, and he wrote like eight hundred pieces, music pieces, and they're all—I mean—they're pretty much Amazing. all really good, right? Yeah. And when you when you look at what's changed the world, it's not the it's not the numbers. The numbers come at the back end. What's changed is somebody got obsessed. Somebody got excited. Somebody got passionate. Somebody, you know, somebody got enthusiastic. And, and that's why it got done. Because in any business, there are days when you say, oh, geez, why am I doing this?
0: Oh, uh,
1: uh, uh, this is too much work. You know, we, uh, we, when we went on our tour, you know, we literally worked all day and drove all night. I don't remember ever feeling tired. Because enthusiasm, enthusiasm never gets tired. The yeah. body can get tired and I can sleep really well. But if I'm, if I'm enthusiastic in a tired body, that body can go a lot longer than <laughs> if I'm not enthusiastic. And in fact, if I'm depressed, then I'm going to talk myself out of what has heart and what has value to life.
0: Right? Right? It's true. I'm glad you got obsessed. It's, yeah, a, yeah. Beautiful, it's a beautiful quality and it created yeah. beautiful things that help people. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and uh, just as a, as a promotion for anybody who has a, a crazy idea and can get enthusiastic about it, the, the, the life of obsession, magnificent obsession is the greatest way to live your life.
0: It's a beautiful- if you have, if you
1: haven't found something like that, keep looking. Because everybody has something that they can totally get into. Not everybody looks deep enough to find it. Because it's already, it's been there since birth. But you got to go to where it is. It won't chase you in the world. You have to go inside to find it. Mm.
0: It's beautifully said. Beautifully said. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you. I think it's great to like read more about your story, your website, anywhere else that yeah. you connect with people.
1: Uh, the the biggest one is... Uh, udoschoice.com, U-D-O-S-choice.com. That's where all the products are. I also work with enzymes and probiotics and digestion. And uh, yeah, that's that's the best place to go.
0: Yeah, to see all the good products. It's so, this has been such a valuable conversation on so many different levels. I know everybody's minds are probably blown like mine is on just the level of understanding the importance of oils, but understanding to, you know, the journey. The journey mm-hmm. to create something, to become obsessed, to get excited about something, to to build your life around that excitement, yeah. right? And then to get yeah. other people enrolled in and, that. What a gift.
1: Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, uh, the, the, the obsession is always about doing something that makes people have less pain or more joy in, in general. Because helping, there is something in us that gets excited about doing good, about helping. About caring, about serving, about all of that, yeah and and you know, if eight billion people could find what their obsession is, this would be a very different planet, and we all have it in us. That's what's so cool about it. We all have it in us. Don't settle for trinkets. You have a treasure.
0: Ah, so beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. This has been an absolute pleasure.:
1: Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate what you do, because if it wasn't for you, I'd be talking to myself in the mirror.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for so coming and talking to me. Yeah.
1: yeah. So <laughs> the idea that that, you know, if this is a useful message. That that you've created the amplifier for it, that you've created a, a, a way that this can get out to people, because I don't I can't go on every kind of media. Because media has agendas, too. Yeah, you know, they they kicked me off. Uh, They 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 one time, uh, one of the big one of the big television stations got me in for an interview. They loved the interview and they were going to play it on the news that evening. And I had nothing going on. So I wanted to see what I look like on TV, because when you get that feedback, you can always find something to improve. So I listened to the news and they never played it. But they played an ad for one of those oils. That are not made with health in mind. Mm. So they so basically the, the people who did the interview loved the interview, loved the information, but somewhere on the on the line of on the line of command there, they said, no, 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 we can't do this because, because we're getting paid for ads by a company who doesn't do what he talks about. Yes. And so I I got basically I got dumped. Because of the money.
0: And how often does that happen with convenience over what's actually the right way or the healthy way to oh, do sure, something?
1: Sure. Oh, sure. We, we live everything. in a world where that's becoming more and more clear that people are doing things for money that are completely heartless and that ought not to be done.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's not a new story. You know, that was already happening during the time of the Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. We've, you know, so. we've been repeating patterns here at humanity deal, um, yeah. hopefully we're, we're yeah. in a little bit of an awakening having some new energy come on the planet and you well, know new hearts.
1: We, we are definitely uh, we definitely need a reset
0: <clears throat> yes but a, I, a
1: reset that has to do more with heart yes not with even more control
0: yes and that's why we're having this conversation and everybody that listens to it, you know, carries that in their heart. And that's the reverberation effect that, that we get to send out today. So yep. Yep. it's it's been amazing. It's a pleasure to meet you. I am I will, and I look at when I buy your products and I look at them now in my own fridge and walk by them in the store, I'm just going to smile and know everything that went into those and how incredible you yep. are and your journey is. So thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes.